0: Welcome to Bandcamp. My name is Dan,
1: and I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to find out why they were banned in the first place.
0: And this season, we are reading—we have been reading—Harper Lee's mm-hmm. classic *To Kill a Mockingbird*, a book neither of us have read before. So, are you ready? Final chapter.
1: I can't believe it's finally here. It's—I know—gone by so fast.
0: Chapter 31, the end of To Kill a Mockingbird.
1: When Boo Bradley shuffled to his feet, light from the living room windows glistened on his forehead. Every move he made was uncertain, as if he were not sure his hands and feet could make proper contact with the things he touched. Is he like a goth? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He coughed his dreadful railing cough and was so shaken he had to sit down again. His hand searched for his hip pocket, and he pulled out a handkerchief. He coughed into it, then wiped his forehead. Having been so accustomed to his absence, I found it incredible that he had been sitting beside me all this time, present. He had not made a sound. Once more, he got to his feet. He turned to me and nodded toward the front door. You'd like to say goodnight to Jem, wouldn't you, Mr. Arthur? Come right in. I led him down the hall. Aunt Alexandra was sitting by Jem's bed. Come in, Arthur, she said. He's still asleep. Dr. Reynolds gave him a heavy sedative. Jean Louise, is your father in the living room? Yes, ma'am, I think so. I'll just go speak to him for a minute. Dr. Reynolds left some. Her voice trailed away. Boo had drifted to a corner of the room, where he stood with his chin up, peering from a distance at Jem. I took him by the hand, a hand surprisingly warm for its whiteness. I tugged him a little, and he allowed me to lead him to Jem's bed. Dr. Reynolds had made a tent-like arrangement over Jem's arm to keep the cover off, I guess, and Boo leaned forward and looked over it. An expression of timid curiosity was on his face, as though he had never seen a boy before. His mouth was slightly open, and he looked at Jem from head to foot. Boo's hand came up. But he let it drop to his side, acting kind of weird.
0: And then the creature ate Jem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can pet him, Mr. Arthur. He's asleep. <laughs> what now? What happened? She said you can pet him. He's, it's okay. He's asleep. You couldn't if he was awake, though. He wouldn't let you. <laughs> that whole thing is wrong. Just let, let, Let's just edit that whole paragraph out of the book. <laughs> you can pet him, Mr. Arthur. He's asleep. You couldn't if he was awake, though. He wouldn't let you. I found myself explaining. Go ahead. Boo's hand hovered over Jem's head. Go on, sir. He's asleep. His hand came down lightly on Jem's hair. I was beginning to learn his body English. Body language, right? No, body
0: English. It's the same thing.
1: I've never heard body English. Yeah. It's a little bit Anglo-centric there, but whatever. His hand tightened on mine, and he indicated that he wanted to leave. I led him to the front porch where his uneasy steps halted. He was still holding my hand and gave no sign of letting go. Will you take me home? He almost whispered it in the voice of a child afraid of the dark. I put my foot on the top step and stopped. I would lead him through our house, but I would never lead him home. Mr. Arthur, bend your arm down here like that. That's right, sir. I slipped my hand into the crook of his arm. He had to stoop a little to accommodate me. But if Miss Stephanie Crawford was watching from her upstairs window, she would see Mr. Arthur Radley escorting me down the sidewalk, as any gentleman would do. We came to the streetlight on the corner, and I wondered how many times Dill had stood there hugging the fat pole, watching, waiting, hoping. I wondered how many times Jem and I had made this journey, but I entered the Radley front gate for the second time in my life. Boo and I walked up the steps to the porch. His fingers found the front doorknob he gently released my hand opened the door went inside and shut the door behind him i never saw him again i mean that that's kind of sad but i like that everything that she was expecting is like gone now and she's literally walking him up the steps to his house that's yeah. that's really really nice i like that touch neighbors bring food with death and flowers with sickness and little things in between boo was our neighbor he gave us two soap dolls, a broken watch and chain, a pair of good luck pennies, and our lives. But neighbors give in return. We never put back into the tree what we took out of it. We had given him nothing, and it made me sad. I turned to go home. Street lights winked down the street all the way to town. I had never seen our neighborhood from this angle. There were Miss Maudie's, Miss Stephanie's. There was our house. I could see the porch swing. "'Miss Rachel's house was beyond us, plainly visible. "'I could even see Mrs. Dubois. "'I looked behind me. "'To the left of the brown door was a long, shuttered window. "'I walked to it, stood in front of it, and turned around. "'In daylight, I thought, you could see to the post office corner. "'Daylight, in my mind, the night faded. "'It was daytime, and the neighborhood was busy. "'Miss Stephanie Crawford crossed the street "'to tell the latest to Miss Rachel. "'Miss Maudie bent over her azaleas.' It was summertime, and two children scampered down the sidewalk toward a man approaching in the distance. The man waved, and the children raced each other to him. Oh, so she's looking at things from Boo's point of view right now. Yeah. Which is interesting. She's literally putting herself in his shoes, looking at things through, how his eyes would see things. It was still summertime, and the children came closer. A boy trudged down the sidewalk, dragging a fishing pole behind him. A man stood waiting with his hands on his hips summertime and his children played in the front yard with their friend enacting a strange little drama of their own invention it was fall and his children fought on the sidewalk in front of mr Dubois. the boy helped his sister to her feet and they made their way home fall and his children trotted to and fro around the corner the day's woes and triumphs on their faces they stopped at an oak tree delighted puzzled apprehensive winter and his children shivered at the front gate silhouetted against the blazing house winter and a man walked into the street dropped his glasses and shot a dog summer and he watched his children's heartbreak. autumn again and boo's children needed him oh this is so nice so it's like he adopted them in a way he could see them the whole time this is really interesting atticus was right one time he said you never really know a man until you stand in his shoes and walk around in them just standing on the radley porch was enough the streetlights were fuzzy from the fine rain that was falling. As I made my way home, I felt very old, but when I looked at the tip of my nose, I could see fine misty beads, but looking cross-eyed made me dizzy, so I quit. As I made my way home, I thought what a thing to tell Jem tomorrow. He'd be so mad he missed it, he wouldn't speak to me for days. As I made my way home, I thought Jem and I would get grown, but there wasn't much else left for us to learn except possibly algebra. I ran up the steps and into the house. Aunt Alexandra had gone to bed, and Atticus's room was dark. I would see if Jem might be reviving. Atticus was in Jem's room, sitting by his bed. He was reading a book. Is Jem awake yet? Sleeping peacefully, he won't be awake until morning. Oh, are you sitting up with him? Just for an hour or so. Go to bed, Scout. You've had a long day. Well... I think I'll stay with you for a while. Suit yourself, said Atticus. It must have been after midnight, and I was puzzled by his amiable acquiescence. He was shrewder than I, however. The moment I sat down, I began to feel sleepy. What you reading? I asked. Atticus turned the book over. Something of gems, called The Grey Ghost. I was suddenly awake. Why'd you get that one? Honey, I don't know. Just picked it up. "'One of the few things I haven't read,' he said pointedly. "'Read it out loud, please, Atticus. "'It's real scary.' "'No,' he said. "'You've had enough scaring for a while. "'This is too—' "'Atticus, I wasn't scared.' "'He raised his eyebrows, and I protested. "Leastways, not till I started telling Mr. Tate about it. "'Jem wasn't scared. "'Asked him, and he said he wasn't. "'Besides, nothing's real scary except in books.' "'Atticus opened his mouth to say something.' but shut it again. He took his thumb from the middle of the book and turned back to the first page. I moved over and leaned my head against his knee. Herm, he said. (laughs) The Gray Ghost by Secretary Hawkins. Chapter One. I willed myself to stay awake, but the rain was so soft and the room was so warm and his voice was so deep and his knee was so snug that I slept. Seconds later, it seemed, his shoe was gently nudging my ribs. He lifted me to my feet and walked me to my room. Heard every word you said, I muttered. Wasn't asleep at all. It's about a ship and three-fingered Fred and Stoner's boys. He unhooked my overalls, leaned me against him, and pulled them off. "'He held me up with one hand and reached for my pajamas with the other. "'Yeah, and they all thought it was Stoner's boy messing up their clubhouse "'and throwing ink all over it, and he guided me to the bed and sat me down. "'He lifted my legs and put me under the cover. "'And then they chased him and never could catch him "'because they didn't know what he looked like. "'And Atticus, when they finally saw him, why he hadn't done any of those things. "'Atticus, he was real nice.' His hands were under my chin, pulling up the cover, tucking it around me. Most people are, Scout, when you finally see them. He turned out the light and went into Jem's room. He would be there all night, and he would be there when Jem waked up in the morning. End of chapter 31 and end of the book. Hi, I'm Dan. And my name's Jennifer, and we're from Bandcamp, a comedy podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place.
0: Season six of Bandcamp premieres on June 4th, and we picked a fantastic book for this season. And the name of the book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Allier-Science.
1: It's our first contemporary book. It explores friendship and sexuality through the experiences of two Mexican-American teenagers living in El Paso in the 80s.
0: If you are new to Bandcamp, each season we read an entire book. In each episode of that season, Jennifer reads the chapter out loud, and we comment and try to have fun as we go.
1: New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday.
0: So please join us as we try and figure out why Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe could have ever been banned. But I bet we're not going to find anything because banning books is stupid.
1: Season 6 premieres on June 4th. See you there. It's time for PPP Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter?
0: What an awesome book. Zero reason. I understand, again, maybe it's the sexual assault talk and the use of N-word, but rape is something that happens, and how they handled the rape case was no different than how Law & Order handles it every single week on TV.
1: It's interesting how people think of TV differently. Both those things, sexual assault and the N-word, it's like, those are things that exist in the world. And if you don't talk about them, that's a disservice, actually, in my opinion.
0: We had this part of history. This is a part of history. It really happened. Mm -hmm. It's still happening. And like Mm -hmm. you said, if we don't talk about it, it ain't going to get better. Right. Right. Jennifer, I think you did a great job reading this book, and I have Thank to pat you. myself on the back. I think I did a damn fine job of listening to you read it.
1: You really did, Dan. You did a really good job commenting, <laughs> Thank you, helping Jennifer. me understand some of the, the uh, grammatical <laughs> issues I was having.
0: <laughs> My question to you is this. How did reading this book, you know, chapter by chapter and discussing it, like how we discussed it, you know, breaking it down as we went along... How did that change or deepen your understanding of the book? I mean, you didn't have much of.
1: I didn't have any of an understanding, really. I knew it took place in the South. I knew it was about racism or that was a, a an element to it because uh, it's about more than that, obviously. But yeah, but I didn't know it was a coming of age story.
0: I really think if they would have made that more of a thing, like mm-hmm. if and we kind of touched on it off the air that, like, the uh, the, the title itself, not that mm-hmm. good, right?
1: I, d- I don't like the title. And I I still don't really even like the references of it in the book. Because you know what? I don't even know what a mocker is. <laughs> I can't even envision it. If it was, like, to kill a chickadee, sure. I can understand that.
0: Plus, you got to admit, they have it coming. <laughs> with the bullshit those chickadees are doing every... Oh, <laughs> What do you think are the biggest moments of Scout's journey where she just grows?
1: I love it. You know, because Scout was never really a bad kid, but there were so many things that I identified in her that yeah, I either yeah. see myself or other kids that I know.
0: And to think where it started, right? Her first day of school, she instantly gets into a fight. I forgot who yes. she first got into a fight with. But then ending now... Well, she's still obviously in school. She just did a school play and almost got murdered on the way home. But it's like totally different people, yet the same. Like, I really think she grew so much in the course of 31 chapters,
1: right? Yeah, she did. And you know what I just realized when you said that? Like, she got in a fight with Cunningham and then literally almost got murdered. It's like, there actually was a lot of violence in the book. It hadn't occurred to me until just now. Like, Whoa. There's a ton of violence in this book.
0: Is that why it was banned? Let's wrap it up with violence.
1: (laughs) I mean, possibly.
0: Why is that? Violence never gets blamed for these banned books.
1: It's funny, though, because the fight she gets in with Walter Cunningham, that actually comes to her and her family's benefit because... As a result of the fight, Jem invites him to lunch. Mm -hmm. As a result of her inviting him or them inviting him to lunch, they don't get the crap. You know, Tom Robinson doesn't get lynched at the jail.
0: I agree with you, Jennifer. Violence settles. (laughs)
1: It's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) My God.
0: I want to see if we have ESP. I want you to pick an enemy who is the number one villain that is not the obvious choice. Maybe not the number one villain, but who is the character you would least want to spend an afternoon with?
1: Of course, Stephanie Crawford. I would hate that. Or Aunt Alexandra. Duh.
0: Mine. You know who mine would
1: be? No.
0: Slicky Boy.
1: Who's Slicky Boy?
0: Cousin Francis.
1: Oh, oh I f- forgot about Cousin. Sl- I forgot about him. That's great. Cousin
0: right. Slicky Boy. Now that Scout has grown and had these big moments of growth but she's been in her own life and death battle jennifer Mm
1: -hmm. i
0: am looking forward to next christmas at finch's landing
1: Ooh, (laughs) dead
0: dead dead francis you your days are numbered slicky
1: do you think that aunt alexandra will be better now well
0: i didn't not hate her for the last bunch of chapters
1: i mean come to think of it i think they've all grown gem grew atticus
0: Atticus grew the wrong way, though. He got dumber somehow.
1: (laughs) Even Boo Radley to an extent, although he probably would have always come out to save the kids. God dang it. What a great book. Yeah, I loved it. I, I can totally understand why it's a classic. I think it should be standard reading in schools. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. There's
1: a lot of topics that are touched on that are still heavily prevalent in our society that we should all reflect and think on. I mean, even like the the thing where it's like, well, girls are this way, boys are this way.
0: That's so true. You know how they're constantly taking like Romeo and Juliet, right? Gets yes. remade a billion years later and it becomes Clueless, hmm. right? The movie yeah. Clueless, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there should be a new Wait, version. Was that of-
1: Clueless? Oh my god, you dummy. The movie Clueless was based on the Jane Austen novel Emma. It reimagined the story in a contemporary high school setting, with Alicia Silverstone playing the lead character, Cher, who parallels the character of Emma Woodhouse from Austen's novel. Shakespeare was dead and buried about 200 years before Emma was published. So, nice try, you dimwit.
0: All right, well, point taken, Robot. And by the way, thank you for your help this season. Shouldn't there be a new movie version that maybe not the same title, the same characters, all that, but just a new version? Because when you think about it, the this, this story took place in the 30s, Uh-huh. right? She wrote about it in the 60s, which is just great because it's still going on. 30s, all the same crap is still going on in the 60s. And now, today, it's still going on. None of this stuff has been solved. Mm -hmm. this story is a story that needs to just, people need to keep telling the story and people need to keep reading this book. We need this stuff now more than ever.
1: Agreed, Dan. I mean, it's more relevant than uh, it was 10 years ago. Things come around in circles and they should really just go away.
0: Well, they're probably not going to go away if we keep banning books where we talk about stuff like this.
1: Totally agree. It just occurred to me, like, you know, they're talking about Books being banned in school and whatnot but as the audience knows we neither of us have read this book i wonder how it would have hit us if we were in school still if i had to read this when i was 15 for example i'm not sure i would have picked up on all the things i think it's being it's pushed as a young adult classic novel but i'm not sure that it is a young adult novel i think she wrote it through the eyes of a child simply because it's just a really good way to explain white supremacy and racism. It's a good way to explain it because through the eyes of a child who doesn't yeah. under who doesn't know what that is grows sees what it is
0: It is a gentle on ramp to a really uncomfortable story and
1: absolutely yes by
0: the time because of the Scooby gang adventure where you are totally hooked
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: wasn't until the second part of the book right is when like you are so involved with these characters and you know enough about Tom Robinson and the upcoming trial you know it's coming yeah. but you're you're just in and all of a sudden Harper Lee just slides in this brilliant multiple pieces of social commentary and these You know, not said, please, to be part of the solution.
1: Right. And so maybe it should be mandatory reading for adults. But, like, also uh, reading it as a mom who has an eight-year-old daughter, you kind of, you you fall in love with Scout and you want to take care of her. And it's a scary thing when you have kids or even when you don't have kids. But, like, when you have kids and the world is really terrifying. Like, I don't know how Atticus handles it, but being alive right now where we still have a a large amount of white supremacy. I mean, I'm a white person, so I don't need to be terrified of that, but I don't like it. But also at this moment in our history, there is a significant rise in fascism, not just in America, but around the world, if people are paying attention. And that terrifies me. Like, so, so like to read it as an adult, I think it hits me way different than it would have if I was 15, where I didn't really understand a lot. I don't think it's a book to explain necessarily to kids what racism is, but I think she wrote it as a change agent to change people's minds. Because if you think about it, if Scout is eight in the mid 1930s, then she is 38 in the mid 1960s. I think she might have been writing this for her contemporaries to join the movement.
0: All, yeah, us, all us middle-aged, younger slash middle age of people, we are right in the middle of a shit storm, and this is our time to rise up and make a difference, make a change, try to end it.
1: Yeah, not just racism, but a lo- I, I didn't know the book would be so much for feminism, you know, right. against the establishment of what what it means to be a female in this society. Like, there was a lot of that in this book that I didn't, I thought it was, you know, just racism. But as I read the book, you know, that became clearer. Reading it as a kid, I think it wouldn't have made quite the same impact.
0: Well, a lot of the reviews, thank you so much, everyone, for all of the reviews and and ratings and stuff you've given us. I'm surprised that so many of the reviews said, like, "I, I had to read this book in school and I am so much enjoying it now.
1: Oh, so true. Right. Maybe it was the same situation. You know, I I never I never put that two and two together, but
0: here's the only thing I'm worried about Uh, starting Fahrenheit 451 so soon after reading this book, it is going to be hard for me, I think, to switch gears like I really enjoy these characters. I am truly bummed out that the story's over. I want it to continue. And that is like the mark of any great book, I guess. But are you ready to do this? total mind shift into a brand new dystopian book.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it, actually, because this book was so like warm and, you know, human and, and gentle and family oriented, you know, like it's about her family and yeah. the town. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready for something scary.
0: A little more current day.
1: That's correct.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to book number one, To Kill a Mockingbird of Bandcamp. As always, if you guys like this, please share it with people. It's it's a weird way to do a podcast where most podcasts are, you talk about some kind of topic, new topic every episode. We understand that uh, hanging with us for 31 chapters as we read a book that you may or may not have already read before kind of a heavy lift thank you for coming along for the ride it's been fantastic now talk your friends into uh i don't know how many chapters are in (laughs) Fahrenheit 451 let's say 451
1: yeah 451 Um, yeah yeah
0: one chapter per degree What an odd story format that would be. But thank you for coming along on the ride. Please come along with us on the next episode as we begin Fahrenheit 451. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you. See you soon.